if you picked up a bottle cap in Copenhagen and I picked one up in Chicago, our two acts are completely isolated. And therefore, you can be left feeling overwhelmed, right? This notion of, well, what difference would it make if I picked up a bottle cap in Chicago or Copenhagen? It, I'm just alone in this battle to, to clean the world. The moment you know that you are connected, that feeling of overwhelm begins to transform into one of empowerment. Welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. Today I'm talking with Jeff Kirshner and he's built an application and a movement called Literati. He's using mapping and geospatial techniques to crowdsource Clean the Planet. Really hope you enjoy the interview. Hey Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to come along and do this interview with me today. I'm really looking forward to hearing about Literati and... I think before we really jump into the details, maybe you could just give us a little bit of background about what Literati is and, and what you're trying to do with it. Hey, Daniel, first and foremost, thanks so much for having me. Uh, really appreciate the opportunity to, to share our story. Um, we are on a mission to eradicate litter, and we have built a technology in the form of an iOS and Android app that empowers people to clean the planet while we collectively build this global litter database and it all started on this crazy walk in the woods with my two little kids a couple of years ago. Okay, so you're building a global database and you said something about litter. And you have to f- forgive me during this interview if I call it rubbish from time to time. That's my upbringing in New Zealand. But, but how are you building the database? So maybe it would give a sense of how it works and then I can sort of share with you how it all started. It's a really simple photo app. So you take a photograph of a Starbucks cup, a bottle cap, a cigarette butt. And that photograph holds quite a bit of information or data. We're able to understand who picked up what, where, and when. And it didn't begin with a mobile app. It actually started when I was hiking through the woods with my two little kids. And my daughter, who was four at the time, noticed this plastic tub of cat litter sitting in a creek. And she looked at me and said, daddy, that doesn't go there. And when she made that comment, it reminded me of when I was a kid, I used to go to summer camp and the camp director would say, quick, everybody go pick up a couple pieces of litter. And so you had 500 kids each picking up five pieces. And within a few minutes, we had a much cleaner camp. And I thought, why not apply that crowdsourced cleanup model to the entire planet? So that was the inspiration for starting Literati. What happened next was I took a photograph with Instagram of a cigarette butt. And then I took several more photos and I noticed two things happening to me. First, litter, or as you say, rubbish, all of a sudden became artistic and therefore approachable. The second thing I noticed was that at the end of a week, I had 50 or 60 photos on my phone and I had picked up and thrown out or recycled each and every piece I had shot. And I realized that I was keeping a record of the positive impact I was having on the planet. And so I just started telling people what I was doing. And what literally started as nothing more than a hashtag on top of Instagram has now grown into a community in 115 countries, an iOS and Android application, a data architecture, geospatialization of different types of litter. And we as a community have just picked up uh, our 3.5 millionth piece 
that has been cataloged and collected. And so that's a little bit about how we started and a little bit about where we're headed. So firstly, let me say that this is a truly, truly inspirational idea. Crowdsource, clean the planet. That's that, that You're someone who's thinking some really, really big thoughts, really big, powerful thoughts here. And um, before, we, before we sort of jump into the details of all of this, I want to say thanks. This sounds great. Like you're, you're having a positive impact on the world. Thank you. I appreciate that. And this is not easy. And we recognize that our goals are ridiculously ambitious. But I think what we are big believers in is that old adage, if not us, then who? And if not now, then when? Okay. So uh, from what you said before, I gather that we have we have an app. We have an app on Android and iOS, and we take images of rubbish or or litter that we pick up. And you said something about a database in the background. Maybe it would be really helpful for the listeners if you could walk us through that that journey, that the user journey. I've downloaded my app. What do I do? So it really is as simple as one piece at a time. You photograph a piece of litter. And then you pick it up and properly discard of it. And again, that photograph allows us to understand who is picking up what because they're tagging plastic, bottle cap, Coca-Cola. It allows us to understand where because there's a geotag that is automatically placed on the photo. And it allows us to understand when because there's a timestamp that is automatically placed on the photo. And so that is sort of the foundation of the data that we're able to collect. And at scale, we're really building this global litter database full of brands. What are the different companies and their materials that we're finding all over the ground? And where are they located? And when are they being picked up? And so that is sort of the the heartbeat of what we're building. And what's interesting is that we are learning that that information can provide a lot of value. It can provide value to cities who want to understand what's lying all over their streets. It can provide value to brands who want to know where all the material is ending up. It can provide value to NGOs in the environmental space or schools who are looking for new uh, STEM-oriented projects. And so we're starting to understand where we as a community can provide more and more value on top of the fact that we're simply trying to mobilize people to feel empowered to clean the planet. Now, when I visit your your website, the mapping function or part of your website seems to play a pretty significant role. How important is the spatial aspect of, of what you're doing with your app in terms of motivating people? We think it's critically important. And there are a few reasons why. You asked specifically around motivation. Well, one of the things that we have built is a data dashboard so that people can understand and track their impact, right? They can effectively measure and map it. And so just, pardon me, just from an ability to see where you've picked things up and see the difference that you as an individual have made in your particular community can be really powerful. And a lot of people in our community take that mapped data and share it on their social uh, media profiles, which only then goes to inviting more people into this community. The geospatial data can also be really um, valuable and important in helping a group like a city understand where are some of the problem hotspots or 
are we being strategically smart about where we place trash cans and recycling bins? And while our map does not indicate necessarily where all the litter is, it does indicate where the litter is being picked up. And look, we're in our infancy, but what you can start to imagine happening is once our community grows from today, it's about 150,000 people to a million people or 10 million people. Now you start talking about data and impact at scale that can create real systemic change. Absolutely. And one of the reasons why I asked specifically about motivating your 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 community and, and how the spatial aspect of what you do and how that was important to that was because I think most of the listeners listening to this will understand the, the importance of spatial data in terms of um, what we do with the data afterwards, how we analyze it, how we perceive it, how we visualize it. But I think that that community is really important as well because when you see things happening around you, and of course this gets back to that first law of geography that says everything is related but near things are more related than distant things, I think that's a really powerful aspect of what you're doing here. I think people can look at a map and go, okay, people around me are doing this. People like me are doing things like this. And I could, I could really imagine that being a great, great foundation for a community. I think you're right. And one of the areas where we're headed is within the application to allow you to understand who's nearby and to understand um, what is the impact that they're having. And, and why do we think that's important? Because to your point, do I want the planet to be clean? Of course. And do I want where you live to be clean in Europe? Of course. But what I want before that is my neighborhood clean. And if I know that there are other like-minded individuals nearby, it does further motivate me to, um, to clean up. And it does motivate me to connect with those individuals. Um, so I couldn't agree more that that level of... Um, knowledge when it comes to, to, to geospatial data, it's just really critical to um, creating even more impact. Yeah, I, I would almost argue that this is this is almost like the, the true superpower of, of, of the app and what you're trying to, to do. I mean, sure, you're going to take a lot of rubbish out of the, the system and hopefully dispose of it properly. But more than anything else, you're going to create that, that um, you're going to show people, hey, this is what we're doing. This is how we're changing the culture. Because it's one thing to pick up rubbish, it's a whole other thing to visualize what you're doing, the effect it's having, where it's being found, who's doing it, and then sort of move forward to change the culture. Why? How did the rubbish get there in the first place? How did the litter get here in the first place? That's exactly right. And one of the things that I find fascinating is the ability for technology to create connection. And so traditionally, if you picked up a bottle cap in Copenhagen, and I picked one up in Chicago, our two acts are completely isolated. And therefore, you can be left feeling overwhelmed, right? This notion of, well, what difference would it make if I picked up a bottle cap in Chicago or Copenhagen? It's, I'm just alone in this battle to, to clean the world. The moment you know that you're connected that feeling of overwhelm begins to transform into one of empowerment. So now you and I both know that one another exists, as well as the 10, 100,000 people near us, as well as a global community. And suddenly you really feel a sense of, I'm not in this alone. There's a lot of people all contributing to the same greater good. And that's exactly what Literati is trying to do. 
So, of course, being a, a geospatial person myself, being a, a map enthusiast, I love the ideas that uh, I love the idea that a, a map can do this. A map can sort of join people just simply by showing that hey, there's someone else there out there doing the same thing that I'm doing, helping me and doing something in my neighbourhood, or, or doing the same action just on the other side of the world. But there's also that other side to what you're doing, and that's that's for sure that the data play, what you're doing with the data here, because as I understand it, I install the app, I find some litter, I pick it up, I take a photo of it, and I believe in the pre-interview you said something about machine learning. How does that, that play into it? And then uh, what, do we do, what kind of data are you collecting about these uh, pieces of litter that, that people are picking up? You're correct. So this year we received a grant from the National Science Foundation in the United States to focus on building machine learning algorithms into our technology. And one of the key areas we're focused on is image recognition. So you can imagine that, I'll use a Snickers wrapper as an example, you can imagine that a Snickers wrapper that you might find on a shelf in a store has a very specific shape. The color is that rich brown, the font has that really rich royal blue, um, and that's easy to identify. But the moment that wrapper is out in the middle of the world where it's been lying on a street for six months or longer, it's no longer the Snickers wrapper in its entirety. It now might just be like the corner of the S because the N-I-C-K-E-R-S has been ripped off and blown away. And so how do you use machine learning to recognize items in different states of decay and decomposition to help the user understand exactly what that brand or material is? So that's one aspect of machine learning that we are beginning to work on. The other thing with respect to maps that's really fascinating is what happens when you begin to introduce additional layers of geodata. So for example, let's say we just looked at the Burger King literati data. And then we overlaid a map of all Burger King locations. Could you begin to draw correlations to where you're seeing certain Burger King related litter to where those stores are? Or what if you overlaid a map of the storm drains? We all know that litter washes into our rivers and our bays and our oceans, and that's a real problem. So if you could start to map all of the storm drains in relation to where litter is collecting, you might be able to be more proactive of the solutions you would take. Or what if you could map topography Right, A Coke can sitting on the top of a hill that it leads right into a water source is probably much more dangerous or at risk than a piece of paper that is lying in a valley. And so there's lots of different layers of mapped data that we believe will be really helpful in understanding more about this problem just so that we can begin to solve it. You said a lot of really, really important things there, but a, a couple of things that really stuck out for me was, or, or I should say the first one, was definitely that idea of, of, of modeling data. It sounded to me anyway that you're talking about modeling uh, the flow of litter through our environment, maybe in much the same way we model air pollution or water pollution today. And I think that is a this is a really interesting concept. So I'm thinking that we would start to treat stormwater drains as almost like networks that that um, transport litter to the end destination, which is probably going to be the ocean. And is there anyone out there doing this at the moment? Because this, this sounds fantastic. I love that you just talked about stormwater drains as a network because they do play a fundamental role in transferring different types of litter 
from point A to point B, but there are other uh, transfer agents, if you will, right? So wind plays a role. Rain plays a role. And when we think about building this global litter database and taking into consideration all of this other information that contributes to how litter moves through our environment, <clears throat> it becomes really fascinating. And we're just in chapter one of what we believe is a 100 chapter book. But the way you're thinking about it is, is precisely how we're thinking about it. Um, is there anybody else out there doing this? There are a few other organizations that um, are certainly collecting uh, litter and some information. You know, you have groups like the Ocean Conservancy. You have wonderful groups like uh, the Plastic Soup Foundation. Um, but nobody is really applying, we believe, sort of this larger AI model um, a, with a community focus in, in the same way that we are. And to add one, sorry, just to add one uh, comment to that, we're big believers that the more the merrier. Like this is a massive global pandemic and we need all hands at the table, everybody working together to try and solve this problem. And that includes schools, cities, industry, NGOs. That's how we believe you're going to get to to the, the you know to to a litter free world. I love the fact that that all this started from such a simple idea. Here's some litter on the ground. I'm going to pick it up, take a photo of it with an existing app with Instagram, hashtag it, and then move on. And look how far you've come. Now all of a sudden we're talking about building incredibly complex models. You've got a taxonomy that allows you to look through your database. And and you were saying before I can't remember quite remember what the number was, but millions millions and millions of pieces of, of litter that you've taken out of the environment. So you've got this taxonomy that, that you can look back over and say, okay, like show me all the Burger King litter, show me all the Coke bottles or whatever. I, I think this is, this is going to be a fascinating data set in the future and probably already is with, with lots of possibilities around it. I'm glad you brought up the, the word taxonomy because we've designed something called COMB, C-O-M-B. The C stands for category, the O is object, M is for material, and B is for brand. And we created this taxonomy as just a very simple way for anybody to begin to label whatever it is they find on the ground. So for example, you might have a Starbucks coffee cup, right? Well, the category is coffee. The object, it's a cup. The material, it may be plastic or paper, and the brand is it's Starbucks. And while Every item you find on the ground may not have a C, an O, an M, or a B. What we have learned is that every item on the ground has at least one of those. And it's just a very layman's way of being able to identify what's in the database so that when we query it to answer certain questions, we can illustrate and visualize those groups of data. Again, I, I'm just fascinated by the simple idea <laughs> and, and how complex it, it could end up being because I'm thinking that, that, that this would that this system, this network that you've built and this community around it would not be the same if you were just taking photos and geotagging just locations. But just the fact that you've added this tax, tax, taxonomy, this extra bit of data, this increases the possibilities of what you can do in terms of analysis later on a, a hundredfold. I think it's, it's really exciting. You know, measurement matters, right? And we like to say that data makes the invisible visible and it can document what lies on our streets, our playgrounds, and our beaches. 
And it really is a fantastic way to illustrate the problem and uncover patterns, initiate discussions, and begin to form solutions. Um, we know that building a global litter database takes time. And we know that we are just getting started. But when you have these countless objects and materials and brands in a variety of packaging that lies all over the world, you know, what you find is that what is lying in Toronto is different than Taiwan, is different than Tallinn. And the key for us, I think, is really building a system that is simple yet sophisticated. So if we could just, I'll just try and summarize really briefly for the listeners now. So we, we started off, or the, the problem started with, we saw some a cat litter box lying in the river. And now we've got apps on different operating systems. We've got an entire community. And maybe you could put some numbers around this later on for us, just to help us understand exactly how big the community is that you've built. And, and now we're moving on. We've got some machine learning in there. We've got this huge database. Uh, can you give us some examples of the of the patterns you're seeing, or what what's the result of all this? Have you successfully been able to confront or go to city councils and say, "Hey, this is the information we've found," and what have been the result of that? Have there been any outcomes? And the same with brands. Has do you have that story? It, of okay, we found this. This this was the problem. We saw this. We found lots of coke cans, for example, here. Uh, could you could you solve the problem? Could you stop the coke cans turning up there? So we call them stories of impact. Um, and I recently gave a TED talk that uh, shares several of them, um, but I'll give you an example of of two. A group of fifth graders picked up twelve hundred and forty seven pieces of litter on their schoolyard. And they learned from the data that the most common type of litter were the plastic straw wrappers from their own cafeteria. So these students went to their principal and said, why are we still buying straws? And they stopped. And it's a great example of how a very simple technology can provide data that drives an action that's going to have a very powerful and positive effect from here on out. The city of San Francisco wanted to understand what percentage of litter came from cigarettes. And before Literati existed, they would collect that data using pencils and clipboards. And so when they did that, they came up with a tax of 20 cents per pack of cigarettes. And then the city of San Francisco got sued by the tobacco industry, who claimed the pencils and clipboards weren't precise nor provable. And so we got this phone call from the Department of the Environment, and our data was used to not only defend but double the tax, which now generates about $4 million a year in revenue for the city to clean itself up. And that's just, it, it's fascinating to me because it demonstrates the power of what understanding what lies beneath us can do. And whether it's understanding the brands or the materials or the location or the, the time contextuality, there's real value in understanding what is dirtying our planet. And if we can continue to build a simple experience that anybody can use to participate in this solution, then, then we think it's, it's a good place for us to be. You asked the question about numbers, so let me tell you. Um, the community today is approximately 135,000 people uh, in 115 countries. We have picked up 3.7 million 
pieces as of this morning. The precise number right as we are speaking is 3,740,219. And while that seems like a large number, you and I both know that it's barely anything when you talk about the scale of the problem. But again, I think I think what we're, we're actually talking about here is changing the culture, is visualizing this, putting some numbers, putting some data around the problem, and then using that as you know to change the culture. Why are we putting this this litter into our environment in the first place? At, at least when you talked about those stories of impact, that, that's what I got out of it. I think you're right. At the end of the day, it's about behavioral change. How do we take better care of our planet? How do we, as people, how, how do we take more responsibility or with policy? How do we create policy that's more sustainable or with our packaging, right? How do we just get a little bit smarter about the way that we should be treating the world and how can we use this technology that can not only bring us together, but provide that data uh, to help make more informed decisions. We, we've talked a little bit about that spatial re- relationship between litter, where you, where you found it, and then sort of looking out in the wider area, where, you know, where, what is the possible source of that? Uh, and there was a great, really great simple example before of the school kids walking around the schoolyard picking up the straws, but the source was pretty obvious. Have you, ha- have you got any other examples of that where, where it was, okay, we found all of this here and then started to look out you know, what distance have they traveled? Where did they come from? Is there any other sort of stories to, to illustrate the, the effect of your system in terms of that? There are. And one of my favorites um, deals with Holland. So we started noticing this word in the database that we didn't recognize. And the word is antiflu. And what we learned is that antiflu is a... Dutch cough drop. And one of the community leaders, a gentleman named Dirk Groot, um, who is one of the more inspirational people you will ever meet when it comes to uh, walking the walk. Uh, Dirk, who goes by the name Zwerfinator, um, which stands for Dutch selfie. Um, excuse me, it's trash selfie in Dutch. Dirk had decided that, you know, he, he was really inspired to make a change and and to make an impact. So he started mobilizing people in Holland to use Literati to pick up these Antiflu plastic wrappers. And along with a gentleman named Ryan Tinga, who's known as the plastic soup surfer, the two of them really organized a a tremendous uh, initiative and mobilized people all throughout the Netherlands. Well, they've picked up approximately 25,000 plastic antiflu wrappers, but they didn't stop there. They went to the company. The company is called Pervasco. They brought a bailiff and an invoice, and they met with the CEO and served him the invoice and said, listen, here's what you owe us for cleaning up your material all over Holland. And to the CEO's credit, he committed to changing the packaging from plastic to paper within one year. And that's the kind of solution that's put in place simply because Dirk and Marine said, you know what, there's a different way and we can help be the catalyst to make that change. And that data, which they presented to him, was all mapped so that he could see exactly where his wrappers were ending up. And it's an incredibly powerful story. 
Absolutely. And I don't think something like that would be possible without some sort of numbers, without some sort of visualization behind it. Otherwise, I think it's it's a pretty hard story to, to sell to people and to create any enthusiasm around. I agree. Having that visualized geodata is a really good story mechanism to provide some evidence and to illustrate um, you know, the impact that they were having. It's very different when you can show somebody that data rather than just tell them that you've picked those things up. Now, I, I realize that you're a little bit pushed for time today, so I'd like to move on and um, try and get a few questions in about the future but before we say goodbye. So, yeah, what, what, what can we expect to see from Literati in the future? Where are you going with this? Well, we have this internal mantra, which is community first. And so much of what we're building on the product roadmap is really about nurturing the community and enabling them to connect more so than we do now. And so, you know, whether it's people being able to form groups where they can meet offline, whether it's uh, creating commented comments and threads around certain pieces of litter that are picked up um, or certain events that are occurring, you know, that's one of the areas we really want to um, frankly improve. Another is around deepening engagement And that can include everything from giving people more of their own data so they can map it and measure it and and do what they want with it to really figuring out what it takes to, um, you know, get people to pick up not one thing a day or 10 things a day, but 20 things a day or 100 things a day. What are the sort of feedback loops we can design so that people feel more inspired? So are there gamification elements such as badges and points and digital rewards? We're exploring all of those things right now. Um, And then there's all the work we're doing with machine learning. So a lot of of our technology um, focus is on really improving that front end user experience to make it just super simple to identify the brand and material of what people are photographing, of what they're picking up, so that all the heavy lifting, all the heavy work of that identification is really done on the back end. It's really done by the the, the, the software and, and not relying on the individuals to be able to to tell us, hey, that's such and such brand or it's made of such and such material. Because the truth is a lot of times people just don't know. Um, it's actually very complex. So that's a little bit about where we're headed. And then really we are starting to work with a number of partners. And that includes working with some key cities, some industry partners, some environmental NGOs, um, and, you know, continuing to, to build the team to support the, the, those improvements. Jeff, on behalf of all the people listening to this podcast episode, I really want to thank you for, for first of all, for doing this, for creating this, this application, for building this community and doing this really, really important work. And secondly, thank you for coming along and sharing, with, sharing your story with us. I really appreciate it. I think you're doing something really exciting. There's a lot of great geospatial stuff in there. And it's always fascinating for me to see how geospatial, how mapping plugs in to these different different networks, different problems, different solutions. It's not a standalone thing, but it's a part of uh, a lot of different um, ways of uh, communicating and a lot of different ways of of helping people and solving a lot of problems. So thanks again for that. Uh, But before I let you go, maybe you could just take the time to let us know where we can go to learn more about Literati and your work. Well, Daniel, first of all, thank you for allowing me to to share our story and 
um, I would invite anybody to join us just by simply downloading uh, the application from either the Google Play Store or the App Store. Um, you can find us across all the different social media channels. And if anybody wants to reach me for any reason, my email is just jeff at literati.org. I'd love to hear from you. We are always looking to add uh, wonderful people to the team. And um, again, thanks so much for the opportunity. No worries. It's been a pleasure. And that's the end of another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'd really like to thank you for tuning in again this week. It's much appreciated. I'd also like to take the time to remind you that if you would like to reach out to me for whatever reason, you'll find a few useful links in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. See you next week. Bye.